Welcome in to the Corner 3. Taking you around the arc of college basketball. From the NAAC to the Pac-12, the WCC to the SWAT. We cover it all now on 93.7 The Ticket. Here is your host, Austin Orman. Welcome to it. It's a Monday night, so that means the Corner 3 is back. I'm Austin Norman. You hear me during On the Block from 2 to 4 with Eric Strickland and occasionally from 4 to 6 as a part of Old School with DP and Jay. Uh, Jay should be back tomorrow. Sometimes life pops up. You have business to attend to. But for the next hour, we're talking college basketball. Some big news for uh, Louisville fans today. A big commitment. We will get to that and more as I turn off autoplay here on the stream. All right, business handled. Um, but yeah, big decommitment, a painful loss, a Kenny painful loss, if you will, for the Cardinals. We'll dive into that before we get into ranking the conferences for this upcoming year. Uh, we're going to go through the top 10, but to keep things moving, we'll really give you explanation on our top five before we get uh, some insight on how another trip to Spain went for Oklahoma State from our resident Pokes fan. Landon Wirt. Gentlemen, we start though with Trenton Flowers, a 95 rated player according to 24-7 in the 2023 class. He's a small forward that was a big get for uh, Kenny Payne and Louisville signed back in April. And then out of the blue today, at least it seems out of the blue, uh, Trenton Flowers posts on Twitter, uh, you know, thanks Louisville, but I ain't coming. He's going down under. He's going to play in the National Basketball League. That's right, the NBL down in Australia. Not the first highly rated guy to go that route. You have uh, LaMelo Ball go down there. You have RJ Hampton. Uh, the first was he was committed to Kansas for a while or Kansas lean before he goes down there. Um, but Matt, we'll start with you, given your, your Louisville uh, hatred that I know runs through your blood. This is a big loss. A, a guy in Kenny Payne that plain and simple needs talent. To lose a guy of this caliber after how brutal the year was last year, this is a huge loss. Were you muted, Matt? Hello, Earth to Matt. <laughs> Matt? Know. Okay, Landon, as we wait for Matt, you chime in on Trenton Flowers. Yeah, uh, so this is really interesting. Um, obviously, we'll get to this a little bit in our conference preview, um, but Louisville is a team that is projected once again to be towards the doldrums of the ACC, and losing a guy like this really doesn't help your case after a first year of Kenny Payne that was pretty disastrous, to be completely honest with you. It's interesting because in a brief scroll of Twitter here, uh, I noticed that he tweeted a few hours ago in a tweet that has now been deleted, I'm a point guard for now on let's get this right dot 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 um which makes me feel as though there probably was some contention between mr flowers and the louisville coaching staff as to what position he wanted to play uh i recalled this when going through uh my notes for each conference as i was putting together rankings but louisville signed sky clark this offseason uh who was previously illinois kind of a point guard sort of guy 
Uh, I'm sure that there was probably some contention there. He probably didn't see himself fitting into a role on the team with where he wanted to play. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's nice to bring back like going to Australia as a professional uh, move out of high school instead of playing college basketball. That was like the popular thing in like 2017, 2018 and 2019. And now it's back. So like that's exciting. <laughs> you can uh, get that pipeline going again uh, to Australia and New Zealand from America. Br- bring that back. Okay, Matt, are you with us? No. Oh, no. Still no Matt. Oh. Um, oh, oh, okay. Uh, Matt, try try leaving and coming back. Go all the way out, and we'll try to bring you in um, at some point. Um, okay, so week Yeah, <laughs> last week it was the internet. This week it's Matt's something or other. Anyways, we'll work to get Matt in here. But Landon, as I I was scrolling through a list of guys that have played in both the NBA and in the NBL and, you know, some of the names, you know, Al Harrington, Steve Blake, Stephen Jackson played a lot of games. Um, Andrew Bogut, of course, Patty Mills, Joe Ingles, guys that are Australian that jump over the list of guys though, that started in America, went over and came back in high school is short, but there's one guy that played one year at the very end of his career in Australia. He played his age 33 season down there. That guy's Kenny Payne. What an ironic twist that Kenny Payne wraps up his career there and starts off a pivotal year at Louisville by losing a guy to the league he finished his career in. Like, is this another ironic twist that Louisville fans didn't need? Yeah, gosh. I mean, that is ironic. But man, like, if you like taking this big picture for a second, Louisville, like, does look to be in some serious trouble here. I know losing a recruit isn't like the end all be all necessarily, but uh, I used barttorvik.com for a lot of my like preseason analysis discussion commentary for a lot of these teams we're going to get into in rank. And before that decommitment, Louisville is already a team that looks to be towards the bottom of power six teams in general and 146th nationally in Bart Torvik's preseason projections for 2023-2024. I mean, this is a Louisville team that won what, like three games last year, four? It was something embarrassingly low. They, uh, it wasn't three or four, but they were winless for a very long time and they did not do very well in the ACC. 28 overall, two and 18 in ACC play. Yeah. And obviously, you would have to think that just by the law of averages, Louisville will improve from that record. But man, it doesn't look like by much. Uh, the ACC should be a bit more gettable this year. Again, I'm kind of like, dipping into my talking points here i'm from the acc preview but i mean this is really really a bad start in a year in which a lot of people around the louisville basketball program want to see more immediate results um this is a really big season for kenny Payne, and this is just a really bad start to that season let's all right hey welcome bash on louisville let's go come in high i now have as many victories as louisville did this last year (laughs) about the same success rate as well um note to self kids out there early in the radio's podcasting game always do the mic checks because you never know when it's set to the wrong setting so learn that lesson the hard way tonight um yeah, no, I as much as I'd like to bash on Louisville at this point, it's it's just sad. Like 
I mean, it was funny under Rick Pitino when they had talented players that were not very likable. But now they're just, I mean, honestly, since like Jordan Wara left in 2020, it's just been bad for Louisville. And it's, yeah, like everything on paper with Kenny Payne's kind of made sense. Like, oh yeah, the ACC's kind of down. I overheard Landon, I caught the tail end of Landon saying that. It's like ACC's down, so there's, you know, room to move up in a giant conference. You got Danny Manning and Nolan Smith on staff, and Kenny Payne was kind of John Calipari's ace recruiter who now has, you know, NBA experience. It just, I don't know, the the recruiting part of it, maybe it's passed him by and things have changed in the NIL era, but yeah, also heard Landon say this earlier, but it brought back good memories of like Terrence Ferguson and yeah, RJ Hampton guys that, you know, had a lot of hype and then went to Australia, then were hype draft picks. And I mean, they've had careers in the NBA, but don't really hear much from them. So I don't know. It's going to be a, a weird year coming up for, for Louisville. That's for sure. Um, and I don't think they've, I mean, they've got a few transfers coming in, but uh, besides Sky Clark, there's really not much uh, to write home about with that group. There's really not, and that's the worrying part because you know Kenny Payne knows basketball to some degree, having played and coached, but his role, like you said, Matt, at Kentucky was ace recruiter. And for Louisville to be as far down the recruiting rankings as they are and for Kenny Payne, again, in kind of that people manager role, not to be able to manage people into doing what's best for the team, running a two-point guard system, maybe this was out of Kenny Payne's control. Maybe this was just a young man who thinks very highly of himself, has a plan for his future, and wants to stick to it. But regardless, given where Louisville was in year one, given that this is a shortcoming in what was hypothetically Kenny Payne's strength, it doesn't paint a rosy picture for a school that quite honestly needs basketball to be good. Like Louisville is a basketball school. I don't care that Lamar Jackson won a Heisman. Louisville is a basketball school. So for this program to fall short this publicly at this juncture, woof. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting year for them because they still have other good recruits coming in. They got a couple other guys like a, a four-star center, from California, seven foot one guy. Uh, you know, they got a few other four stars as well. And they bring back some guys, you know, Brandon Huntley Hatfield isn't, he was him and L Ellis were pretty much that entire team last year for Louisville. So there's, there's more pieces there. They should still win more than four games this next year, but I mean, they needed all the help they could get. And this, this feels like another tough blow for them. And, I mean, with Kenny Payne, you're supposed to win. Like, the offseason is supposed to be the part that you dominate. And, like, that's what you win when you're, you're, you hang your hat on recruiting instead of develop. I mean, he develops guys, too. But when recruiting is kind of your main thing, you're supposed to, like, this is the good vibes part of the year for them. And then it's just been quite the opposite since really last year around this time. Yeah, and they bring in a guy too, like Trey White from USC, played 33 games um, last year for the Trojans. But I mean, yeah, it, it, 
like I said, right, right on the jump, like obviously losing recruit that happens all the time. It's not an end all be all situation, but for a program that needs as many talented players in and around it as humanly possible, because I mean, Matt, I know the Louisville hatred runs deep, but college basketball is a better place when Louisville is fun and good. They're one of those programs that like, it's just good for the sport when they've got a successful and interesting team, you know, be it one way or the other. So, I mean, it, it just, I mean, what a bad omen because yeah, if you've got a coach that is known as a recruiter, these this time of the season is supposed to be where you're in all these recruiting battles for top prospects. You're getting some, uh, not having them leave to go to Australia. I mean, heck, a week and a half before the fall semester starts. Like, what a weird ordeal. He was on campus for a while. We didn't even really hit on that part. He was on campus for a while. Saw some reports that he might have also received some NIL packages and money. Just like what a mess of a situation to have something like this happen right before the semester starts. And what a bad indictment of like where things are at under Kenny Payne's leadership at Louisville. Not I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure there was also a video going around. I I haven't looked into it too much, but I saw it resurface today and I'm pretty sure it was Trenton Flowers. I'm not sure exactly if it was him or another guy in them but there is a video going around from Louisville's practice facility of I'm pretty sure it was Flowers running from like half court <laughs> for a dunk and just missing the rim <laughs> it was, the free throw line no, no. on repeat right now on my second little window here that has Twitter open <laughs> yeah. so that is Trenton Flowers yeah he's going oh, to the Adelaide no. 36ers by the way and we, I don't know if we specified it but yeah <laughs> Go 36ers, yes. It's nice to hear from our old Aussie friends. It's It's been a minute since the G League and o, over, OT Elite have kind of been taking all the thunder. It, it's nice to hear from, you know, one of the old friends. Now we just need some of the Euro teams to start taking college players again, like Brandon Jennings or I think like Nick Calathis back in the late 2000s yeah. from Florida. So bring that um, back too while we're at it. Okay, some some famous Adelaide 36ers alums. Cameron Bearstow, there's a guy. Uh, Rick Brunson, there's a guy. You had, scroll down the list. Uh, Terrence Ferguson played there. Josh Giddy, uh, currently of the Thunder, played there. Brett Maher, not that Brett Maher, but a different Brett Maher. <laughs> um, Anthony Petrie. And that looks like the list. I would say Josh Giddy is probably the biggest name on that list if it's not Rick Brunson. They do sound like a team that the Thunder would have a lot of draft picks from. (laughs) It really does. Okay, you did get me thinking as well, though, with the whole Louisville hate thing. Gut reaction, no time to think. Matt for Kentucky, Lane in for Oklahoma State. Who is the player you hate the most from your biggest rival? Who's the player you hate the most? Gut reaction. Oh, man. I'd say Joel Embiid. Ooh, JoJo. Okay. Okay. Uh, that was a well-timed phone ding there too. Um, <laughs> it's weird for me. It's honestly the Indiana guys and the Tennessee guys come to mind before the. Oh, but which one? Guys. Which one? Which one? I mean, Cody Zeller's the one that pops into my head. So. All right. Because <laughs> honestly, like Louisville's 2013 team, they those guys were fairly likable. But I mean, was likable. Excuse you. Yeah, like they were the only, you know, respectable people, but the rest of them are just, yeah, villains. <laughs> Fair enough. 
All right, let's turn the page. Let's get into what everyone is here for, the conference ranking. So for those listening or listening back, the setup is I'll go through 10 through 6. Matt will go through 10 through 6. Landon will go through 10 through 6. Minimal explanation for these because we're going to save the bulk of the, the debate and the explanation for our top fives. We will likely agree on some. I know we'll disagree on others. Uh, but again, if you're listening, uh, Sardar Hammond text line 402-464-5685. Tell us if you agree or disagree. All right. So the team, the conferences, I should say, that I left off. There's no MAC, no Mid-American Conference on my list. Kent State is fun. Uh, Toledo is fun here and there. Uh, but Emily Bates is gone from Eastern Michigan. So that gets left off the list. Also a huge blow, one that I anticipated having, but I can't make an argument for anymore is the American with Houston gone with Cincinnati gone. I don't trust Memphis enough to carry that league. I also don't trust Wichita or Tulsa enough. So those are my honorable mentions. Number 10 for me, I've got the Mo Valley. I love me some arch madness. I I like Drake. I like what Darian DeVries is doing. Northern Iowa, I think is going to have a little bit of a bounce back year, even though uh, uh, Bradley lost its best player and they hate journalists. Uh, Give me the MVC um, at number 10. Uh, Number nine, I have the Atlantic 10, a league that you know the names. There's enough basketball prestige in that conference. Someone is going to bounce back and be good, whether it's Davidson, VCU, St. Louis, Richmond, anyone in there. I I just believe in the A-10's track record. Number eight for me is Conference USA, mostly on the back of Florida Atlantic. That's a preseason top 10 team. I don't know if I agree with that, but top 25 at least. Uh, North Texas, yes. Uh-oh. They're going to the American. They're in the American. Oh, that's right. That is, <laughs> that's right. But still, they're not enough. Um, they were on, okay. Just to to prove your point, though, even with like Florida Atlantic and North Texas gone, I still have Conference USA top ten. So good pick. Yeah, Conference USA is fun, even though they lose those two. UAB is there. Uh, Charlotte, I think, could be spicy. Middle Tennessee State is famous for what they did to Denzel Valentine and Michigan State. It's a program I somewhat believe in. Louisiana Tech, the former home of uh, Kenneth Lofton Jr. So I think there's enough still uh, in Conference USA. Uh, Number seven for me is the Pac-12. UCLA and Arizona are fun. USC, I'm in wait-and-see mode. And I really don't believe in any of the rest of the conference after that. I think it's kind of a mess. So it's number seven. And number six for me, uh, the impetus, Matt, I'll maybe let you explain where you got this thought from. Um, But the impetus for ranking conferences, I've got the Mountain West here. I think there's a lot of interesting teams. Uh, San Diego State might be better uh, than the top team in a few of the conferences that I'll mention soon. But just the bottom, the bottom is just not good. Even if they add the Pac-12 leftovers for basketball, eventually that won't boost it up the rankings. So uh, 10 through 6 for me, Mo Valley, Atlantic 10, Conference USA, Pac-12 and Mountain West. Matt, to you. All right, to me. Um, I agree with a lot of those picks, actually. I also, yeah, I had Pac-12 at 7 on my list as well. So I'll get to them in a minute. But yeah, no, my number 10 is Conference USA. Uh, A few that I I did leave the A-10 off. I just, I don't know, I need Dayton to do more. I need Rhode Island to kind of get back to what they were, you know, 10 years ago, yeah, A-10 is right up there. They've got the programs that care about basketball, VCU. Um, 
Richmond, who's actually been pretty respectful lately. But I just, I don't know. I feel like there's still, the ones I picked, I feel better about. I also, uh, yeah, I felt bad leaving the Missouri Valley off. But honestly, since it's gotten, I mean, Loyola's left, uh, Creighton left, Wichita State left. It's just, it's not the same. Um, So, yeah, my number 10 is Conference USA. Uh, Big year coming up for them. I'm trying to see who they've added recently. Uh, They they actually made some really fun additions for this next year. They're bringing in Liberty from the ASUN. They added (laughs) absolute mess at the bottom, New Mexico State. I learned that this afternoon, that New Mexico State is in Conference USA now. So uh, what could go wrong with that? Um, but they also added Sam Houston state and Jacksonville state who are both kind of like, sometimes they're like 14 to 16 seeds in the tournament. And they were kind of fun to watch in those like Saturday or Sunday afternoon champ week conference championship games. So I don't know. And plus you throw in, you have Western Kentucky, middle Tennessee. They got a lot of schools that are kind of care more about basketball. Like that's kind of their, their priority. Plus in a year from now, they're adding, uh, our, beloved Kennesaw State Owls. So that's also going to rule. Um, number nine, I uh, I took the West Coast Conference, even with BYU leaving. I mean, you still got Gonzaga, St. Mary's, Santa Clara's getting fun. Maybe San Francisco gets good again. I'm not sure. Uh, in iteration two of our this show, the first one of the three of us together, it was kind of a recurring theme like 2020 was the year Gonzaga was going to lose to a non uh, a non St. Mary's BYU West Coast Conference team. Didn't happen, except it did finally happen this last year with I believe it was San Francisco beat them in the kennel, which was, it was truly a shocker. So it's been quietly getting better to the point where you know Gonzaga is still only losing three four tops games in a season in it, but they're only winning these games by like 15 to 20 instead of 30 to 40. Like they were even as recently as like the Jalen sucks year. Um, Baby steps. Yeah. Number eight, I'm going with the American athletic conference. I I'm a little higher on it, even with, you know, Houston and Cincinnati leaving. I mean, Charlotte could be good. I don't know if they're going to be good yet, but it's mainly the fact that they're bringing in Florida Atlantic North Texas and UAB. I mean, those are quality additions that could use the, you know, just that shine of being in a slightly better conference than Conference USA. So I'm, uh, plus they're adding UTSA as well. So it's not quite. What Wrong hat to- this time, Landon. I know. Sorry <laughs> about that. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Yeah. I know. Of course, the one time. Um, but yeah, no, I think. Uh, you still have Memphis though. And uh, yeah, Tulane, I still think they're, I might've overranked the AAC in hindsight, but I was kind of mainly thinking about, yeah, like Florida Atlantic and North Texas and Memphis, but yeah, I think in hindsight, I'd probably move them down to 10. Uh, Then I've got the PAC 12 at seven. Um, Honestly, I think the, the PAC 12's bottom, I was just, this popped in my head when Austin was talking, but I don't think they would do any better in the Mountain West. I think they might even have a worse record. So that's just something to think about. And then number six, I'm taking the ACC in its current state. It's 
if Florida State doesn't get it together, if Louisville doesn't get it together, what's going on at Syracuse with their new coach? I mean, Pitt finally made it to the tournament, but still they're kind of in a rebuilding process. It's half of that league is in a rebuild. And I, yeah, the, the top product hasn't exactly been that good either. I mean, Miami has been fun, but is that going to be sustainable this next year? Duke should be back. But then again, last year was kind of, I mean, they were still only a five seed Uh, North Carolina. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand what's going on there. And it's kind of another prove it year. So this is, this is kind of a big year reputation wise for the ACC that some of these teams kind of need to get back to work and, you know, prove that they're still, I mean, they were kind of the successor to the big East in terms of the elite college basketball pro- conference. And now I'd say 10 other teams are just irrelevant most of the year. So that is my uh, six through 10. All right, Landon, take us away. 10 through six. Yeah. Uh, quick shout outs. Um, conferences I didn't rank, but I loved watching last year and should be fun again this year. The big West, um, great conference. Um, that's going to be, a really, that's going to be a really fun race this year. Um, I think looking back on it, where was my top? Re- yeah. UC Irvine is the top rejected team on Bart Torvik. They're 86 entering 2023, 2024. And that conference was super deep last year. A lot of fun games, a lot of fun late night weeknight games that I, I caught, uh, as well as the Sun Belt. The Sun Belt was one of like the more fun conference tournaments last year, just with all the chaos that ensued. And that should be another deep fun league this year too. Uh, but at 10, I do have the, the WCC, uh, the first year sans BYU, um, makes it tough. Uh, but I wanted to kind of give the the West Coast Conference a shine a little bit while it's still around. Um, things are kind of bleak for the future there, especially with the consistent threat of Gonzaga being linked to like every Power Six conference. Um, especially now as realignment starts to heat to heat up, that's going to happen way more consistently. Um, for now, though, they slide at number ten with the the high end talent like Gonzaga and St. Mary's. San Francisco should be really fun again too. And yeah, like Matt was referring to, uh, the conference got a little bit more friskier. Um, for the Zags and not everything was just a super winnable, winnable situation. But with nine teams, I am curious how they're going to do their weird conference tournament this year uh, with an odd number of schools. So that's going to be something fun to watch. Uh, at number nine, I have the A-10. Uh, I am siding with you there, Austin. Uh, I'm doing some research this afternoon. Last season was the first NCAA tournament without two A-10 teams since 2005. So I think the league is going to bounce back in a big way this year, especially with like the sheer amount of high-level transfers brought in across the board. I believe I've touched on this briefly on this show before, but the number one uh, ranked team in the A-10 right now on Bart Torvik's 2024 uh, preseason rankings is Duquesne, who comes to Pinnacle Bank Arena this year on November 22nd. Uh, They're ranked 58th, um, and they brought in, oh gosh, there's two... There, I think there were two guys from St. Peter's that they brought in, and I want to shout them out. Yes, the Drame, um, the Drame twins that were on St. P- that St. Peter's team that beat um, Kentucky. Uh, so they're going to be a really interesting team, and I didn't really realize they were thought of that highly. But VCU brought is bringing in some dudes from that uh, Utah State team. So they hired their coach um, Ryan Odom. Uh, so that's going to be a really interesting conference to follow, and I think that they should get two teams. And of course, shout out Fordham. Uh, Fordham was really fun last year too. So that should be a, a fun one to follow. A, I have the American. Um, yes, the four new additions will be really fun. 
Um, but the bottom of this conference still is quite poor. Uh, Tulsa is going to be really bad again next year and UTSA. Uh, but I mean, the, that's just like a conference that can, I could see a wide range of outcomes happening with, of course, FAU at the top, who's going to be everyone's preseason Cinderella entering this year. And they're still a quite good team. Um, but also Memphis, um, Charlotte, North Texas, there's just a wide range of outcomes that could happen. That's going to be a really fun conference. I forgot to mention Wichita state as well. Keep, I mean, they got Paul Mills, the Oral Roberts coach there. I mean, they might start to turn things around. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, that was one of the more under-the-radar coaching hires this offseason, and they were in the Max Asmus race, I feel like, until pretty late on, too, just yeah. because of the fact that Paul Mills was there. So that's a good call, and that's a program who has kind of been dormant for a few years. Um, Since I don't they moved to the American, really. Yeah, I can't really – recall off the top. I think the I think which Wichita State made the first four in the 2021 tournament. And I think that was their last tournament appearance. Lots uh, of Drake. So, yep. So that's a school that um I'm definitely you know interested in seeing if they can sort of rise to the cream of the crop in this new look um conference. And then at seven I have the Mountain West. Um <laughs> I've been burned and sad by their performances in the NCAA tournament, which is why um I've dropped them off here. I don't think this the floor or yeah, I don't think the floor on this conference is as low. Wyoming, I guess, is supposed to be really, really bad next year. Um, Torvik has them at like 240th. Uh, but the rest of it should be fun. Uh Fresno State should be really frisky and fun again next year. Out of Eduardo Andre. Yeah, UNLV added the Boone twins sad um but that's gonna make them i mean they were pretty fun and frisky last year as it is but adding them is gonna make them a really interesting um team um and then of course at the top you've got your san diego state boise state um should be really good this year and, and utah state so that's where i have it seven um and at six i i have the pac 12 um yeah it, it should be a down year for the conference as a whole the worst of the power six in my opinion um usc is going to be i guess the sort of headliner here um but who knows now with, with Bronny james health concerns how, where he's going to factor into the fold um boogie ellis is fun um but there are a lot of question marks at a lot of these top teams around uh in and around the the pac-12 i will say though of that group colorado is going to be my like just sort of team to watch, I guess there they're running it back and they brought in Eddie Lampkin, who I keep forgetting about um, from TCU. So they're going to be a, a, a fun team, but yeah, the rest of the conference is just sort of meh. I UCLA is projected to have a down year too. I just don't really see um, a world in which the PAC 12 experiences a ton of success. And, and last year they didn't really do so in the NCAA tournament either. So um, shout out the last year of the PAC 12, but I have them at six. I think, Colorado also is bringing in a five-star recruit as well. So they they probably should have, you know, like top four aspirations and expectations for for this upcoming year. That's a good catch there. Yeah, they uh, actually – I think there might have actually been a – a shakeup in these these in these rankings as I was looking at them earlier because now they're 25th and I think they were a few spots below then. So yeah, Colorado's uh, definitely going to be a team to monitor. According to 24-7, they are 33rd overall, 25th in the composite. That five-star is Cody Williams out of Gilbert, Arizona. Um, they also sang Bang Out Dak out of Lincoln Southeast here. So there's a little local tie uh, from one black and gold program to another. All right, that's 10 through 6. We're going to switch up the format a little bit here for our final or top five, I suppose, be the better way to phrase it. We're just going to go one at a time. So I'll give my five. 
than Matt and Landon all the way through. Number five for me is the ACC, but it's a disappointing five. It very easily could have slid to six, um, except I'm slightly more concerned about the bottom of the Mountain West. I mean, this conference should be better. It has to be better. And that starts with Duke and Carolina carrying the league. It's great that Miami's good. It's neat for the league that Virginia has had its run, but there's just not enough cachet there. Plain and simple, there's not. Miami's the only team to make back-to-back Elite Eights the last couple of years. So what? Big what? I I just think Duke and Carolina need to step up, make that a two-team race at the top. Um, You got to figure out what Louisville and Syracuse are. Plain and simple, those are two big power brands that need to figure out what they are. Adrian Autry has a challenge ahead of him. We talked about Kenny Payne's leading off. Um, I, I don't love the ACC middle class. You'll have some teams that sneak up into double-digit wins, maybe all the way up to 12, 13. But between Virginia Tech, NC State, Wake Forest, Pitt, and Clemson, nothing really inspires me there. I'm hopeful for Jeff Capel. I want to see him continue to succeed. I don't know if I buy it after just one year. And Matt, you brought up Florida State at one point. How much more does Leonard Hamilton have in the tank? Florida State, when they're long and athletic and running, is fun. They've just been wildly uninspiring the last few years, and I don't really understand what happened. Another bad year, maybe two. I think that's it for Leonard Hamilton. And with the football resurgence, I could see basketball falling by the wayside at at Florida State. So the ACC is my number five. Wouldn't be that long of a fall. Um, (laughs) Another thing I wanted to – it's it's already pretty neglected, even at its finest when they were an Elite Eight team. I also just want to say about the ACC, Virginia needs to to get its ducks in a row and get its act together this year. Like they're they've been peddling around since 2019, and especially after that that debacle in the tournament last year. I mean, they've got some good pieces coming in. They've they've got experience as well. There's no reason that they can't get back to being a respectable program. Like they were. They were they actually were talented even in like 2018, 2019. These last few years, even to get to this point, has been smoke and mirrors. So they they need to get they need to get their act together as well. So singling them out as well. Um so yeah, my number five is gonna be the Mountain West. <laughs> I yeah, I feel like I'd be a little higher on them, but I don't know. I've been thinking about this occasionally throughout the summer that. They, I'm pretty sure, like, it's easier for me to watch any sort of Mountain West game, football or basketball. It's easier for me to watch one than it is to watch a Pac-12 game. Like, it is easier to find them. I think they even have a higher-paying TV deal, which no one seems to talk about the fact that Mountain West, the Mountain West Conference, has CBS, has a TV deal with CBS. And they've got good markets too. I think that's another thing people, I mean, they're in San Diego. Boise's a decently sized city, San Jose, uh, Vegas. <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of untapped potential there that if, you know, some ambitious leadership, they could really take off in this, uh, this new iteration of college sports coming up. But even in basketball, I mean, we finally had San Diego state, we finally had someone from the Mountain West win an NCAA tournament game. Now it was just the one, but I mean, for a Mountain West team to make the the NCAA title game again, even if they did kind of lay an egg, 
But to, to beat Creighton, to beat Alabama, I mean, the Florida Atlantic win was kind of a fluke, but still impressive that they fought back and pulled that out. Like, they have my respect. And uh, kind of a tough scene that they were trying to leave right after. But <laughs> I think it's also telling that they pretty much came right back after looking at what was going on in the, the Big 12. It's the old Abe Simpson walks in, does a loop, and turns around and puts his hat back on. Uh, but the other thing I like about them, they just have good coaches all around. I mean, you've got Brian Dutcher. Uh, I forget who Utah State hired in, in lieu of Odom, but they, they, got a, they got a new name. I can't remember who. Uh, Richard Patino's at New Mexico starting to build something there. They were an NIT team, which – Another thing I learned today was that New Mexico lost in the first round of the NIT by 14 to Utah Valley. Yikes. At home. Um, Steve Alford's at Nevada. Tim Miles has had a great year two, I think, for San Jose State. Forget if it was year two or year one, but they had only like their second winning season in program history. If he stays there a few more years, like he's probably going to have them competing at the top half of the, the Mountain West. They had a guy... I'm an Amari Moore ended up on an NBA roster. Um, UNLV, Lon Kruger's son's there, and they had a decent first or second year. Can never remember. The last two years kind of blur together. But yeah, it'd be fun, though. I, I'd love to see Wyoming just get back to being a fun team to watch in the, the Doom, Doom Dome, if I remember correctly. Uh, bring back Barrel Man. Hope he's doing well. But, uh, yeah, and Fresno. I mean, they're also still kind of in a bigger town in California. Like, kind of a, a hidden gem there. Shout out to Dwarra Andre. So, I, I think there's a lot there. And it, maybe the San Diego State run kind of gives the rest of those teams, you know, the confidence that, hey, maybe we can beat Northwestern in the first round. So, <laughs> that is my number five. So a couple of things. One, Matt, Utah State hired Danny Sprinkle from Montana State. Uh, That's right. So all team. Yeah, he's and been he there. Had, for, he had yeah. some tough teams at Montana State. Yeah, uh, and they played Kansas State. It kind of sort, sort of goes under the radar, but they played Kansas State pretty well in the first round of the NCAA tournament this year, too. Two, I forgot that uh, Oleg was at Wyoming. <laughs> um, oh, but yeah, they're right. projected. They're projected at two, 236th per Bart Torvik, and they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players here um, on their like projected contributors list. Um, so that's a little bit concerning. Uh, so Wyoming, um, get it together over there. Uh, but I also have the ACC at five, and I'll side with Austin. It is a very disappointing five. I, um, I, I can't remember whether or not I, I said this, you know, things are running together here, but Notre Dame is projected to be the worst power six team um, of anybody. Uh, they're projected. I didn't know that. <laughs> 220, 227. Um, so, I mean, talk about the bottom of the ACC. I mean, Notre Dame, it, it could be a really, really difficult year um, in South Bend in the first year post Mike Bray. But I, it, when push comes to shove, the it's the ACC and the Big East are the only two conferences that had teams in the Final Four in back-to-back -back years. When it matters, the ACC has been winning games, you know, 
uncon- as unconventional as it may have been to get there. Uh, yeah, I mean, the conference has been down for the last couple of years, but in, in March, they're winning games and they're making final fours. And, and for me, it's hard to ignore that sort of stuff, especially in a year where, I mean, I think the three of us can agree that Duke has some pretty serious national championship aspirations. North Carolina has made this really ridiculous all-in push under Hubert Davis this year with RJ Davis, the eternal Armando Baycott being back, and a ton of really interesting, high-quality transfers. Like, they have Harrison Ingram from Stanford, who was a really good player uh, in the Pac-12, and, I mean, that's a guy, that's an NBA guy, Harrison Ingram. Uh, So I'm expecting him to fare very, very well in the ACC. They got Cormac Ryan from Notre Dame, who was a really big piece on their, uh, when they were making the NCAA tournament under Mike Bray uh, the last couple of seasons. Cormac Ryan was a big-time player in those instances, great shooter. Um, that's going to be a guy that I has been the bane of lots of ACC fans already for quite some time and will be very, very annoying this year. Um, and then you've got Paxson Wojcik from Brown as well, who is just a big name I remember seeing. So North Carolina, it's kind of funny how like their team that made the – national championship was not very deep but super super experienced and hubert davis has put together a roster that is basically exactly like that which really really intrigues me and also sort of scares me for the potential that north carolina could have this year uh and then miami they're gonna they're kind of sort of floating under the radar again but they've got norchad omir nigel pack ruga poplar and bensley joseph all four of those guys were in the rotation last year uh back um, Matthew, they brought in Matthew Cleveland from Florida state was like their only player last yeah. year. Um, he and was Clemson, two buzzer beaters against him, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's a funny little, uh, funny little twist of fate. And then Clemson is actually ranked like 10 places above Miami here in these preseason preseason rankings per Torvik. Um, I don't really know why. I, I don't really think, I feel like Clemson's a team that the analytics seem to like a little bit more than. They probably they bring back a lot of guys from, uh, I they mean, are. they were okay last year. They made the NIT, but yeah, they must bring a lot of those guys back. And they got PJ Hall and they also brought in Joe Girard um, from Syracuse. So, I mean, that oh, probably is a bit of it. Um, the middle of the conference is sort of jammed. The bottom is atrocious. But um, given the given the track record and the potential for you know the high end teams to really make deep runs at this thing in March, mainly Duke, UNC, and Miami again, um, I feel like the ACC um, is fairly squared in here at five. The number four for me. Uh, I hope I get some hate for this. I, I want everyone who's listening to flame me. I have the Big Ten at number four. I, I do have the Big Ten at number four. Everyone is good enough, but but no one's great. It's boring. There's a very distinct ceiling. I am buying 0% into the Purdue hype. Talk about bring back the same team as last year. I, I just don't believe in Purdue. Matt Painter's a great regular season coach, but I need to see more. Michigan State's the only team that plays a style that leads you to believe they can do anything in March. That's why they always overachieve their seed, aside from the aforementioned Middle Tennessee State. Um, upset with Denzel Valentine. They're the only program I really trust. Maybe Indiana gets there eventually under Mike Woodson. They've got to prove it. Um, and then you need someone else or a couple someones to step up. Is that Illinois? Is that Maryland? Is that Iowa? I, I don't think it's Michigan this year. I think they take a step back. It's just a lot of uninspiring. Like everyone's fine. Everyone can beat you on a given night, but Really? That's all it is from a conference that says, oh, we're going to be one of the best. It's a grind night in, night out. Well, it's a grind because you're mediocre too. 
I'm just not in love with the Big Ten basketball product. I still think there's more depth than the ACC, which is why I have it ahead. But gee, I am not in love. Yes. Yeah. I'm not gonna. I honestly, my one through four, I could you could order them any which way. Although I think we're probably all going to have the same number one. So really, two through four, any order, I won't disagree with. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll save my Big Ten thoughts for for later but i uh and i think i might even regret this like austin you you make a good case there but i'm putting the big east at four just uh i mean the main part of it is villanova needs to get back to being villanova with kyle neptune this year which should be a possibility with who they're bringing back and who they brought in but uh i mean marquette maybe will be good. Like they're supposed to be good. They have final four aspirations again, but losing Omex prosper. I mean, it's, it doesn't always work bringing everyone back from the, the same team, especially if you lose, especially if you lose your most talented player to the draft. So uh, Creighton, I don't know if this team's it's, Fandom and everything aside, it's kind of fun that Baylor Shireman is going to be back at major college basketball for another year. But I'm still not completely sold on Stephen Ashworth. And their front court is sort of unproven outside of Cockbrenner, which I guess is a – is he – Cockbrenner came back, right? He did, yes. I'm remembering that correctly, yeah. So, I mean, they've got him, but still, I they could – I mean, last year when he was out, it was – they were they lost like six in a row, so I think they kind of need to solidify some backup options. And they've got guys like Fred King, but yeah, Seton Hall, what's going on with Shaheen there? It's just, and then I mean, yeah, St. John's has Rick Patino now, and he's I mean they're talking about St. John's as a preseason top twenty-five team, and honestly, sure, why not? Like they've got the players, and he's got the coaching style that maybe they jump up to that right away. I mean. Xavier pretty much did in year one under Sean Miller, but it's just, there's a lot of unproven and a lot of question marks in, in the big East this year. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm just going to wait on them for, I, I felt most comfortable putting them at a four. And plus, I mean, how's, how's year two going to go for Thad Mata at Butler? That's a, that's another one I've kind of got my eye on. Yeah, you raise an interesting point um, about Ashworth, though, because that is a very interesting thing because obviously he's a high-impact transfer, but Utah State was a really sexy upset pick in the NCAA tournament, and people kind of tend to forget that Mizzou just sort of smashed that. Yeah. Uh, like, none of their shooters were able really to do a whole lot, and offensively, they went from this, like, uber-efficient sort of deal in the Mountain West, and yeah, Mizzou, and, you know, Mizzou, middle of the pack, you could say SEC team during the regular season last year, they smashed Utah state. So there are going to be some serious questions to answer about, you know, the, the jump up and, and style of play. But I also have the big 10 at four. Uh, I'll keep it brief because my thoughts are a lot, very, very similar to Austin, like Purdue. Really? This is going to be the third try. Well, the third try really be the charm here, trying to like build a team around Zach. Eady. You've already lost to uh, two mid majors in the, in, you know, are in, arguably hilariously bad spots uh, in St. Peter's and, and North Texas before then too, but in St. Peter's. Um, Far, fairly, fairly Dickinson. 
St. Peter's FDU and like you're just going to bring the same team back and do it again like that might be fine in the regular season in the Big Ten but it hasn't worked so not really sure what that what's going to happen there I think Michigan State for me is my early favorite um they bring everyone back they bring in a McDonald's All-American big guy um and but yeah it, it's kind of just a lot of meh in the middle I will say though Austin the one team you didn't mention that I'm really interested in personally is Wisconsin I think they're going to be super fun this year uh Chucky has Hepburn back, Stephen Crowell back, um, Connor Essigan or Sejan. Sejan, it's a Sejan. He was really yeah. And then you've got a guy uh, bringing in a guy like AJ Store from St. John's who has been playing with the Bahamas national team this summer uh, and playing quite well. And then you've got the Gus Bus. Um, so that Wisconsin <laughs> team is going to be really, really fun. Uh, and I think they're a team to watch out for in, in the Big Ten, especially as, you know, I guess it's sort of Purdue and everybody else, but is it really because of some of the things we talked about? So if there is a team to rise up in that sort of mix, I would look out for Wisconsin. I get where you're coming from. I just dislike Wisconsin so much. I refuse to allow them to be fun. Even if they did have, you know, enough pieces to make an NIT run, they annoy me. I will not give them credit until they earn it. Uh, Number three for me is the SEC. I have similar yet different questions about the sec as i do the big 10 like the sec is an athletic version of the big 10 to me in some ways um it's good for neutral observers that's not kentucky's league to run solo that we've had some turnover and they've they've pushed the wildcats from here to there but kentucky has to find a way back to the top of the league standings not just in the mix i mean kentucky's got to get back to be being kentucky i'm wondering if there's more in arkansas you know, is there an actual run in them where we're going to keep hyping up the must bus and the transfers? Is there more in Alabama? You know, last year was their year and they end up falling short. What's Auburn under Bruce Pearl? Is there another step? Is Tennessee going to learn how to put the ball in the basket? Or are they just going to keep playing boxing instead of basketball and fouling their way to wins in the NCAA tournament? <laughs> now that I'm bitter. Uh, my surprise team to watch in the SEC is AM. Are they for real? Is what Buzz Williams doing? sustainable they were sneaky last year i was vaguely excited by them they just have to prove it again so i've got the sec at number three i also have the SEC. oh no okay sec at three can we get back <laughs> i don't know okay. i'm Do going to, to uh, yes, you go. We'll see if we get Matt back. You're number three, Landon. Yeah, I've got the Big East at three. Um, the conferences above them, I think, are just better top to bottom. Um, but as far as like off-court storylines and drama goes, you are not going to have uh, much of a harder, harder, harder task, or you know, a better conference to find with more narratives than the Big East. Um, remember UConn? Yeah, the defending national champions. They're still going to be really, really good. Villanova. Uh, Matt was mentioning it a little bit earlier, but I am super excited about them um, with. Uh, Justin Moore coming back. Eric Dixon has been a reliable guy all the time he's been at, at Nova. And then the transfers, man, like Hakeem Hart from Maryland, TJ Bomba from Washington State, and uh, Tyler Burton from Richmond, who was really good and another guy that could be an NBA guy. Um, so Villanova is going to be fun. Marquette should be due for another tournament run. Uh, they're set up pretty well under Shaka Smart, even with the loss of Omax Prosper. Um and then there's Creighton. Blech. They're going to be really good again. Uh, I know, you know, not the greatest, you know, 
proclamation to make in Lincoln, Nebraska, but it's kind of an obvious one. Uh, Creighton will be quite good. Um, and then you've got a lot of the off-court storylines that are super interesting. Rick Pitino at St. John's, like what's going to happen there? Are no doubt some chaos and some fun. Uh, and also the Ed Cooley, Providence, Georgetown drama. Those games, I don't know. There will be at least one at the dunk. Uh, but Georgetown's Georgetown playing at Providence, that's going to be like appointment television. That's going to be awesome. So with all, all of that put together, uh, I think the Big East is set here at three. The you know absolute floor of the conference sort of prevents it from making a push a little higher. But I think the Big East slots in well at three for me. All right, Matt, SEC at number three, pick back up. Okay, back at number three. Uh, also, real quick to touch on Landon's thing, that I think Georgetown at Providence is going to be one of the more most hostile environments since uh, Chris Beard went back to Lubbock in 2022. That's more so, to be honest. Which, speaking of Chris Beard, the SEC, people forget that he's at Ole Miss now. And if I remember, he's gotten a few – respectable transfers and a couple of recruits this uh this offseason uh the sec i mean austin really hit it on the head it's a lot of a lot of prove it like kentucky okay you've got probably the most talented roster on paper but you're gonna prove it this year <laughs> pretty much uh alabama i'm a little low on just because they don't have that that five star that you know you usually stirs the drink like they've had and they're two really great teams this year. Uh, Arkansas, they'll probably figure it out, but Muss has a lot of pieces. Yeah. Muss has a lot of pieces there that I'm just not quite sure on. Um, Missouri's been rolling. I think they got a couple good recruits. Texas A&M as well. Uh, I like them. I, I They were a Final Four pick of mine last year. And then Penn State just whooped them. And that was that was a tough scene. Um, Auburn's another one where they kind of mailed it in all last year. It felt like it. They never really felt like a team that had the potential for a run. Although they did, they put up a good fight against Houston in the tournament. But I'm they got a couple. I think they got one transfer that was pretty good. Yeah, Denver Jones from FIU. Maybe he is what they need. They lost a lot of guys too, but I think they're bringing in some recruits obviously, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm just, the SEC has got a lot of prove it, but it's like, it's a more fun prove it than the ACC. Like I, mm-hmm. the ACC, it's going to be a tough watch with some of these, these teams like a Virginia tech or a Syracuse. The SEC there, <laughs> I don't know how good it's going to be, but it's certainly not going to be boring. It's going to be exciting. That it will. It appears I'm the high man on the Big East. They're at number two for me. And before I dive into a few more thoughts, let me just put this out into the universe one more time because people need reminding. UConn is not a blue blood. UConn is not a blue blood. Okay, let that sink in. UConn is not a blue blood. Congrats, you won the national championship. Follow it up. Um, I'm a big Donovan Klingon guy. As much as he annoyed me in that run last year, I think he's going to be really, really good. He's going to be better than Walker Kessler. I think in the NBA, maybe that's a hot take. Maybe it's not. Um, Marquette needs Tyler Kolek to be better. Plain and simple. He wasn't playing his best basketball by the end of the year. It was vaguely Marcus Howard-esque, and they need more from him, especially when the lights get brighter. Creighton and Xavier always seem to lose one round earlier than they should. Um, I want to see Xavier especially get over that hump. And then the the bottom middle, 
is just fascinating to me between Providence, Georgetown, St. John's, really everyone not named DePaul. I can watch those games. There's a lot of good coaches. They're interesting players. They're cool venues. And you guys mentioned Villanova. What do they have? Big East basketball, maybe this is a little bit more personal preference, but but you were saying, Matt, about the Mountain West. It's, it, it's more watchable than the Pac-12. It's fun to just turn it on. That's me with the Big East. I don't really have any rooting interest aside from against Creighton and against UConn this year. So as long as there are two Big East teams on the TV, it's probably going to be a watchable game that I'll park myself in front of. I will say I meant by more watchable, like literally easier to find the game and wow. be able to watch it. Like I meant actual watch viewing. Like I, it is easier to go on CBS sports network or FS one or CBS on the weekends and watch a mountain West game than it is to try to find a PAC 12 game half with half of them being on a network that no one got. <laughs> uh, right. Real quick. My number two, I'm going Big Ten number two. Uh, I might have some regrets on it, but I think Indiana, even though I, they're probably one of the teams I dislike the most, I really respect what Mike Woodson's been doing there. Uh, he's been landing good transfers. He's been retaining talent. And then he lands McKenzie and Baco this year. Like, they've got the five-star. They could be a team that, come March, might be a one or two seed in the NCAA tournament. It wouldn't shock me. I think Mike Woodson's perfect for a job like that in that his personality is completely internal and not, you know, pandering to the fans. He's not a weirdo. He's just kind of calm and level-headed all the time. And I think that works for a job like Indiana. And, I mean, yeah, they haven't had the NCAA tournament success yet. They got blown out uh, by St. Mary's in year one. Last year, Miami wiped the floor with them. But they've slowly been getting better. And again, I think most importantly to Indiana fans, they swept Purdue last year, which is another thing that we don't talk about enough. Uh, so I I think with Indiana and Michigan State, that's going to be a fun top of the race. Landon, I'm glad you brought up Wisconsin. They're a fascinating team. F NIT Final Four team last year. Uh, Greg Gard's really got to have another strong year to – I mean, they've been really good. I mean, they won the Big Ten two years ago, but it still feels like with the new AD, the, the seat might be heating up there. Uh, Illinois, Brad Underwood, you had your rebuilding year, but, you know, what's next? Is this thing going to start slipping? So there's – I mean, there's just so many storylines in the Big Ten. Uh, so I th those are the ones. And, of course, yeah, Purdue. I'm probably – I don't I didn't fall for them as much as I have in years past this last year. Like, I like – this year's team, it was pretty clear. It's like, these guards aren't the real deal. Have they gotten better? Like, I I don't know. I don't know if I can emotionally invest myself in Purdue again. So that's what I've got on the Big Ten. Super quick. Um, I've got the SEC at two. Watch out for Alabama and Florida. Alabama brought in a ton of really interesting transfers. Aaron Estrada from Hofstra. Latrell Wrightsell, who's a Nebraska target. And then Grant Nelson, the unicorn from North Dakota State. And also Florida, Zion Poland was that dude at UC Riverside. He's going to be really fun to watch in the SEC. That leaves us all with the Big 12 at number one. Landon, we'll give you a little more time to expand on this, given that it's your conference. Um, my quick thoughts on it are it's the deepest conference top through bottom, even with the new additions uh, there's championship pedigree from a number of teams. Uh, Kansas state has to follow it up, but between Kansas Baylor and Houston, there might not be a better 
top three uh, in the country this year. And if your worst teams are spunky UCF, uh, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma, that league's in a pretty good spot. Yeah, and you can lump Oklahoma State in there. I promise I won't be upset. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, top to bottom, the Big 12 is going to be awesome. All 14 of the teams are in the top 100, I believe, on Bart Torvik's preseason 2024 rankings. Uh, you didn't mention Texas, at least I don't think. Uh, Texas is going to be awesome. Texas is going to be really, really fun next next year. That's where old Max A. Smith ended up. He is going to light the Big 12 on fire. Uh, even some of those teams towards the bottom, though. I mean, Texas Tech hired Grant McCaskland. Uh, North Texas was really good last year and gave Oklahoma State in particular fits in the NIT. I'm really not looking forward to those rock fights that you'll get in with Texas Tech a couple times a year. BYU is a team that you bring in that has a really, really great home court advantage in Provo. That's not going to be pleasant for the teams towards the top of the Big 12, your Kansases, your Houstons, your Baylors, to go into an environment like that and play a road game will not be pleasant. Uh, top to bottom, I mean, there really is, and you know, the Big 12 is just going to be awesome this year. I'm so excited to see how the, how the chips fall. Uh, from an Oklahoma State perspective, Mike Boynton has a lot of work to do. I'm really, you know, this is kind of a make it or break it year, as I've talked about on the show before, um, with a conference that's going to be this talented and competitive you know, I'm really, can Oklahoma State push through and break into the top half? There are a ton of storylines to follow across the conference, uh, and it's easily the most um, competitive and deepest, and yeah, the clear number one. Yeah, not going not gonna to disagree with any of that. Uh, also glad Austin brought up Kansas State. I'm a little worried about them this year, that they might take a slide back, especially with just how loaded it is. This is going to be, uh, all right, Jerome Tang, like, what you got for coaching? I mean, you had the dudes last year, not so sure this year. So that'll be fascinating. I'm worried about UCF as well. They're they're up against it in this league. Uh, it's it's going to be rough for them. Same with, not sure what to think of Cincinnati either. But again, if they were in the American, I think they might have a really good year But with West Miller. But now I'm not so sure. But I mean, the top of the league is going to be awesome. Texas has Tyrese Hunter back. Got some guys coming in. TCU might be fun. They got a few transfers. West Virginia, I think they just landed another pretty big transfer this week. Uh, and they still have – I mean, they only lost a couple. I think they still kept Kirk Carissa. Yeah, they they landed Acock Acock from, uh, from Georgetown So this last week. So they, they've got, a, I mean, seven or eight transfers coming in. So – yeah, the Big 12 is going to be awesome. It's another year where they're not going to, there's not going to be a bad loss, really, in that league. So, can't wait. I'll wrap up with uh, this from Bart Torvik. I'm just going to leave this, and then we're going to get out. Your number 50 preseason team in the Bart Torvik rankings, Nebraska. Projected to go 17 and 14. So, conferences aside, you have that, Husker fans. Hold on to it. We'll revisit that later. Uh, they're Matt and Landon, Landon and Matt, as always, the fellas jumping on the corner three. Appreciate them. I've been your host, Austin Orman, and that'll do it for this week's edition of the corner three. Check out the podcast version, wherever it is you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, all over the place. Uh, check the live broadcast, the replay on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. Let us know what you think. How'd we get it uh, in our rankings of the conferences one through 10? For the fellas, I'm Austin signing off. We'll hand you over to Vershawn Jackson, the captain. That's right. Heart of a Husker comes your way for the next couple hours. We'll talk to you next Monday on the Corner 3. Thanks for listening.
Thank <laughs> you.